Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. So you see what the key events here are with regard to this period of seven years. It begins with the confirmation of the covenants. All right. The the first three and a half years of that period are, are largely setting things up for the last half. Uh, that's where many of those events we looked at last time in Daniel 11 are taking place, where the Antichrist is consolidating his power and, and overthrowing other nations and that kind of thing. Halfway through the tribulation period is where you have several key events that take place. That's where he causes the... Uh, he causes the sacrifice and oblation to cease. It's where the abomination of desolation is set up. It is where, um, you see, from that time, it says that they're given into his hand for that last half of the tribulation period. Um, it's also, at, at that time, some of the things we looked at last week, where uh, it talked about his head being wounded unto death and that the deadly wound was healed, and he gets that great power from the dragon, from Satan himself, those are the things that take place in the middle of that week. It is the healing of that wound that causes the world to wonder and to worship him as God, and then that's where he sits as God in the temple. And so that's at the middle of that tribulation period. Throughout that last half of the tribulation period is where you see most of the, um, you know, most of the, the very severe things, the, the judgments and things that God pours out on the earth, as well as the persecution against the saints. That's primarily in that last half of the tribulation period. And at the end of those seven years is the, the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ. Go to another passage in Daniel. Go to J Daniel chapter 12. Here we'll say, see the same period of time described again. Now, last time we looked at Daniel chapter 11, and I'm not sure if we, if we really talked about the very last verses there of Daniel chapter 11, but um, if you, notice, if you notice in Daniel 11, uh, maybe just point out a couple of things to, to remind you. Um, if you see like in Daniel 11 verse 37, speaking of the Antichrist, it says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces and a God whom his fathers knew not. Shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things? You see, uh, he, in private, really worships Satan himself. In public, he presents himself as being God. But in private, he worships this God of forces. If you, um, if you go back to uh, verse, verse uh, 30, for instance... Daniel chapter 11, verse 30, uh, it says, For the, sh the ships of 
Chittim shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return. And notice, have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. And there's a, there's a description of uh, him forsaking that covenant that previously he had confirmed. And and anyway, you see those kinds of things throughout the passage there. Uh, If you come down to to chapter 12 then, verse 1, it says, At that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. The, The word tribulation, by the way, just means trouble. It's just another word for trouble. And here it says there will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And there you have at the end of those things that that kingdom established. When it talks about Michael standing up there in chapter 12, we're going to see uh, Revelation describes the same thing. But uh, come come down to verse... Um, Come down to verse 7. Daniel sees these men, really these angels here. And he says, I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be, notice what he says, for a time, times, and an half. Now he's talking about that time of trouble, that great tribulation. That time of trouble such as never was on the earth, that last half of the tribulation period. And he says it'll be for time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to, to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety Days. Now notice that's just one month longer than the, than the 1,260 days. Okay, that that's, uh, would be three and a half years plus one month. Um, now it doesn't tell you exactly what happens that, you know, that one month later. There's other passages that talk about this, you know, this three and a half years. But you see, uh, it, it places the time that that daily sacrifice is taken away as, a, as a, a starting point for this period of 1,290 days, just past that three and a half year period. Um, let's go over now to the book of Revelation. And so you see how you see these, these 
the same time period described over and over again. Time times dividing of times, 1260 days, 42 months. Here we'll see it in a couple more passages. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Now here in Revelation chapter 12, John sees a vision. It's kind of a, uh, a lot of study Bibles will say that this is a parenthesis in the book of, of Revelation because it kind of breaks into the, the, uh, the order of events here. And John sees this vision of this woman. And the woman is about to give birth. And the dragon, who is Satan, uh, is there ready to devour her child as soon as it's born. But the child is caught up to, to heaven. He's caught up to, uh, I think it says, um, to God and to his throne in verse 5. And then it says in verse 6, The woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now that's 1,260 days. That's our period of three and a half years again. Um, the different, you know, different commentaries will differ on their interpretation of the woman and the child here. I think the most common interpretation is that it, it represents that the woman is certainly Israel. The woman is Israel in this passage. Um, the child, uh, most would say that the child represents Christ, that it's going back and giving a, a figurative account of what happened historically with Christ, uh, that, that, you know, Christ was born of Israel, that uh, Satan tried to destroy him, and then the catching up would be his ascension into, into heaven. Um, there's, you know, there's another view that says that the man-child there actually is the, the believing remnant of Israel, that all of this is in the context of that tribulation period. I, you know, I think I still lean toward the, that most common interpretation that's talking about Christ, but uh, just, you know, maybe something for you to study out on your own. But uh, you see the, the woman, there's actually in Revelation 12, two references to periods of three and a half years. And while some people might interpret it by just saying it's both of those are talking about the same period of time, one thing I notice here is in verse 6, it just says the woman flees into the wilderness as if this is something she does of her own power, her own ability. Um, and, and you see there's a place prepared of God. That We talked about that a little bit last time, how God's going to provide for them in the wilderness. And he's going to feed her there. It says 1,203 score days, three and a half years. Verse 7 says, There was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. Now that sounds a lot like Daniel chapter 12, right? Uh, it describes the, the war that takes place there and how Satan is cast out of heaven. Many people have the mistaken idea that Satan has been cast out of heaven already. But really, that's something that takes place midway through that tribulation period. Uh, if Satan and his angels have already been cast out of heaven, how can it be that the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places? And that's literally heavenly places. There is wickedness in heavenly places today. 
But here, halfway through the tribulation period, Satan and his angels are cast down to the earth. And in verse 13, it says, When the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And verse 14 says, To the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, excuse me, a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. You know that passage in Isaiah that, that uh, talks about those who wait upon the Lord and they'll mount up on wings as eagles. And you see this a lot of times on little things that people hang on their wall and, and that kind of thing. And it's a, it's a good passage to talk about the Lord strengthening believers. But really, when you read it in context, it's talking about these believers fleeing into the wilderness, how God's going to supernaturally empower them to be able to escape that persecution, flee out there into the wilderness as if he gave them wings of eagles. They'll, they'll run and not faint, right? And they'll be able to go out there into the wilderness where God can provide for them. And there again, you see that time, times, and half a time. Now, I think probably that in verse 6, the 1,203 score days is talking about the first half of the tribulation. And there's going to be part of that believing remnant that's going to flee out there into the wilderness at that time when they start to see these things come to pass. But at that midpoint of the tribulation, that's their last chance to get out. In fact, uh, Christ tells them that when they see that abomination of desolation set up, that they shouldn't even go back to their house to get an extra set of, of clothes. They need to just leave. And that's where the remainder of that remnant comes out there into the wilderness. And verse 14 then is describing the last half of that tribulation period. Uh, verse, verse 15 says that the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood. There's a, there's a flood again. Water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there again you see that that reference to that seven years and especially to the last three and a half years. Okay? Let's go to uh, one more passage here in Revelation. Go to chapter 13 now and skip down to verse 5. Now, remember that the book of Revelation is not chronological. It, it kind of skips around. So it'll talk about some things that happened and then it'll go back and talk about some things that had happened previously. Here again is another passage about the Antichrist, this person of the Antichrist. We looked at it last time. It says in uh, Revelation 13, verse 3, I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, that's the Antichrist, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 
40 and two months. There again, three and a half years, last half of the tribulation period. So from the time that he receives that, that deadly wound at the middle of the tribulation period, from the time that, that then they worship the dragon and, and worship uh, the beast, there's 42 months. Okay? And I want you to go to... Uh, so we've seen several passages here that describe and that give specifically the length of the period of time. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 24. Because Christ is describing this same period of time here in Matthew 24. Now this is, uh, Matthew 24 is taking place very near to the crucifixion of Christ. They're there at Jerusalem and they're, they're on the temple mount. And they're looking at the the things of the temple there. And the disciples ask him in verse 3, When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Christ gives them a, a fairly lengthy teaching here about these things relating to the end of the world. He says in verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. That's the very first thing he says, because it's very easy for people to be deceived in these things regarding the end of the world, right? Especially for believers who desire to see the Lord and desire to see the coming of the Lord. If somebody can come and make a convincing argument that he's going to come soon, a lot of believers are very susceptible to that, okay? He says, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, another thing that often happens with Bible prophecy, especially when there is conflict and, and you know, thing, various things going on in the world, especially in the Middle East, people start to think, oh, it must be going to take place soon. But you see what Christ says. He says, when you hear about the wars and rumors of wars, don't be troubled about those things. He says, it's not the end yet. Um, wars and rumors of wars have always been there on the earth. He, he's, not, he's not saying that, you know, wars and rumors of wars are what's going to lead up to the end. What he's saying is, don't let people take wars and rumors of wars and use them to... to teach you wrong things about the fulfillment of these prophetic things. Uh, He says, these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. Right? When you see earthquakes in diverse places today, Christ is saying that's not the sign of the end of the world. Those are just things that happen. Now, there are some earthquakes and some pestilences and things that are associated with the end of the world, but he's he's distinguishing the things that just naturally happen on the world. And that's what Christ is warning them about here. What he says is, he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, Paul likens the the things that take place on the earth to uh, a woman that's in labor, uh, and the earth is groaning. And, and travailing in pain together until now. Okay? And he says, these are the beginnings of sorrows. He says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And that's been true of the believers of Christ from, you know, from 
from this time forward. Uh, It says, then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now, notice what he gives. I mean, through all of this, he hasn't given you a specific event as a sign to know when, you know, when these things are going to take place. But in verse 15, he does give you a specific event. He says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no, nor ever shall be. He says, except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, you see there, he describes that last half of the tribulation as a period of great tribulation. And he says, when you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, which is the, the holy of holies in the temple, when you see that, He says, that's your last chance to get out. Don't even go back into your house. Now, there's going to be people who realize what's going on before that, and they're going to go out there into the wilderness previous to that. But he says, that's your last chance. Uh, When you see that abomination of desolation uh, for for these people, they're they're like Lot, you know, when the, when the, Angels were trying to get Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot kept trying to delay. He didn't want to go too far away. Remember, his wife turned back and and, uh, was turned into a a pillar of salt. Um, There's going to be people like that. They they see their believers. They see the things going on, but they delay to leave. And he says, when you see that abomination of desolation, that's your last chance to get there in the wilderness. And there's where he gives a specific event as far as a a timeline for them to look at. And he continues then to give them warning about that period of time um, through through, uh, much of the rest of that chapter. And I want to close. We're just going to go to one last passage. I want you to go back to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah, and there's many other passages that are describing this period of time. In fact, uh, all the, the passages that refer to the day of the Lord, which are you know, many throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, are referring often to the events specifically that take place at the very end of that period of, of uh, tribulation, that period of seven years. Um, in Jeremiah chapter 30, here Jeremiah refers to that period of time. Um, He says in uh, verse 7, Jeremiah chapter chapter 30 and verse 7, start in verse 6. 
It says, Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So this time of trouble, it's referred here as the time of Jacob's trouble. Um, Peter, Peter talked about how judgment had to begin first at the house of God. And, you know, these things have a place in, in judging and, and punishing the earth for their wickedness. But they also have a place in purifying Israel and showing who the true, true remnant of Israel is. You see, it's called there a time of Jacob's trouble, but it says he will be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall be in rest and be quiet and none shall make him afraid, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. And so you see that, that all of the events of that time are, are focused, or they have a purpose, with regard to Israel, that, that nation that God chose. And they are the fulfillment of promises to that nation. It's a time of, of tribulation and great tribulation. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. And those things as well are the kinds of things that, that Paul has in mind when he says to us as believers that we're not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. And these aren't, you know, we don't have to be looking for the fulfillment of these events today because these are things that take place after the close of the dispensation of grace. And, and I'll tell you, there, you know, there will be opportunities, certainly there will be many people that are saved out of that tribulation period, but you have a much greater opportunity today. Why, why, why wait until then? And it very well could come in our lifetime, but why wait until then to, to be saved, why not believe the gospel today? And if you've never received that gift of eternal life, there's no aisle you need to walk, there's no prayer you need to repeat or, or anything like that, you need to trust that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid the complete price for all of your sins. He was buried, he rose again the third day, and that he did all the work that was necessary. That, I, that our works are not are not necessary, our works are not um, uh, required for salvation. It's his work that's required, and, and uh, we have just to, to believe in what he did and trust what he did. And if you have questions about that and, and you don't know whether you're saved, you don't know whether you have eternal life, I, I encourage you to talk to me after the service, talk to, to other men here um, who can you know, go through the scriptures and show you those things and show you just what Christ did for you. And there's, there's no sense to wait. It's a free gift. It's a free gift that God offers to all who will receive it. 
and, uh, and I encourage you to receive that gift today. Let's close with prayer. Lord God, we, we uh, just thank you for the fact that we're delivered from this time of wrath that we were studying about this morning. We, uh, we, we know that we can put our absolute faith in your word, that these things will be fulfilled as you've promised. And uh, we just thank you that, that through studying all of your word, we can see your whole plan that, that you developed before the world began. And now that we have the completed word of God, we, we can see the fullness of that plan, even the things that were previously kept secret. And uh, in, in knowing the things that you've promised, it gives us hope. It gives us assurance. And uh, we just thank you especially for that blood of Christ that was shed, that paid the price for our sins, and that that, uh, makes it possible for us to have eternal life as a free gift. And it's in his name that we pray. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.